0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Cher. It's such an honor and a privilege. And honestly, I just wanna take all of you back to Florida or bring the whole of Florida back to you. And I promise the next time I come, I will wear boots, jeans, and a cowboy hat. (laughs) I thought I'd bling it up this evening. But thank you to the team for the most phenomenal time we had. You set the stage so beautifully. I'm so grateful. You are very fortunate to have such an incredible team, all of you. So thank you. Thank you, Seth. So I want to say welcome to Malawi, my fellow African country. I'm from Zimbabwe. For those that didn't know, I met Rod there, had my children there, lived there for 27 years. My father was a pioneer farmer. When we went, there was nothing there, absolutely nothing. So I wish I could show you the house that we lived in. But that will be another day. So welcome, Malawi. Welcome, with Star, Star Valley. Yeah. Correct. I got it right. So, we just want to say thank you for joining us, and I hope that this evening, I mean, if I just sat down from what you sang, you could go home, you've had enough, correct? And thank you for setting that platform because my message tonight is there is another in the fire. Amen. And Rod sets such a wonderful backdrop and boundary for me, so I'm so grateful. But you know that fire is a very touchy word and we need to realize that it's got to be handled carefully, verbally, as well as physically. And fire is both instrumental in a tool of, it's instrumental in hell, but it's also a tool of heaven. It is both used for good, it is also used for evil. It is associated with judgment as well as salvation. It can be destructive or constructive. I want to let you know, when people sing that song, fire fall down, fire fall down, I don't sing it. I have enough trials and testings in my life without asking God to send some more. (laughs) I'll sing the rest of that song, but that you can sing it on your own. I'm not going to join you there. How many of you are going to ask God, please, bring the fire, bring the trials, bring the testings? Not me. I'm like, if you want me to go through them, I will but I'm telling you, if I don't, I don't want it. So there was a prophetic word spoken over this nation in February of 2021. And it was that 2018 was a year of refining for the body of Christ. 2019 was a year of redefining the church. 2020 was a year of shaking. You can say amen to that. 2021 is the year of revelation. To stay focused, and hold the line. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Stay focused. Yes. And I hope tonight that you leave here with knowing that you have a hope and a future. I am so grateful I live in the United States of America. Yeah. I am American by choice, and I love this country, and I love my people. Yeah. So, that's just for you. So don't try and figure out the reason, but figure out the revelation. We're all trying to figure out the reason of why things happened in 2020. Why are things happening in 21? I wanna see the revelation. What's God saying and what's God doing in the midst of all of this? And where's my part? Amen? And you know, to understand things, I have to throw this in. It's got 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That word understanding means be considerate. How many of you are married? Okay, all the married men, all those that want to be married. I want to tell you, you will never understand us because we don't understand ourselves. Isn't that right, ladies? I'm still trying to figure myself out. So heaven help him. When, I were, when we were still in um, Florida, we were just praying for this church and God gave me this incredible word for this church, River of Life. And you've been through a major redefining and a major shaking. But God says, I want you to know it was my doing. Yes. My doing, not the enemy. And why? He says, because some trees needed to be uprooted. Some needed to be planted elsewhere. Some needed pruning. But the result is deeper roots that can grow for the growth that I want to bring to this church. Amen. The roots are pushing deep. He says, The past you have endured, the present you are going to enjoy. Yeah. It's no longer going to be like div- digging trenches. You're going to enjoy it together. It's going to be an enjoyable journey. There's been resentment, hurt, disappointment, betrayal, misunderstanding, undeserved accusations. Do not allow them to take root in your heart. Yeah. Amen. So you know there's the, New Ameri- the, the NAS, the NLV, the New King James Version. There's the TSV. Anybody know what the TSV is? It's the Taylor Swift Version. <laughs> So what do we do when accusation comes, when we're in, shake it off, shake it off. Everybody do this. I preach this in our church and now when we're going through hard times, we all just do this. It works. Taylor Swift was good there. She needs a bit of help elsewhere, but. And we have a two-minute rule in our house. Our kids have grown up ever since they were little with a two-minute rule, and I'd encourage all of you to try and adapt this two-minute rule. And I still do it as an adult, and my kids now, they give us the two-minute rule. Do you know what the two-minute rule is? You're allowed to feel sorry for yourself for two minutes. You're allowed to be angry for two minutes. I, I go and I go, okay, I've still got 40 seconds left. And I'll make sure I fill up that two minutes. You know why? Because you need to get it out. But just get it out on your own so you don't say things you're going to regret. But if you stay longer than two minutes, you dig a ditch where someone's got to come and get you out. So give your kids a two-minute rules. My kid no, kids knew. You go in the room, you've got two minutes. You can go and throw your toys if you want, but when you come out, you better have a happy face. And if you don't, I'll help you. So, <laughs> All right, we have three kids. Our oldest one, Nathan, is thirty-eight, eight. turning thirty-nine. Daniel's thirty-seven, turning thirty-eight. Our oldest is six foot seven, six foot eight. I don't know. But I still look at them and I go, "You got the two-minute rule. <laughs> it works." So last week, Rod set the platform, and we he shared from Daniel. But I want to go a little bit. Um, sooner into, those, into Daniel, and pick up from chapter six, and you'll see that King Darius. What happened is the background is he has Daniel; he's a good man, he's serving the Lord, he's coming up in the ladder, but everybody around him is threatened by him. You know that feeling. He's successful, so what they do is they go to King Darius and they go, "Listen, can we? Can you sign a decree?" stating that if anybody worships anyone except you, they have to get thrown into the lion's den. So, of course, Darius is like, sure. So he signs a decree. And if a decree is signed, it has to be fulfilled. Now, you have to understand, Darius really liked Daniel. They had a good relationship. And the punishment was to throw you into the lion's den. So we're gonna pick up from here. So the decree's been made, and this is what Daniel does. In Daniel 6, Verses six to seven and nine to 10, it says, but then Daniel learned that the law had been signed. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open towards Jerusalem. Now, let's be honest. If I had been told, you're gonna be thrown in the lion's den if you worship, I would have closed the window, found the furthest corner and still thought I was being obedient to God. Look what he does. He opens the window so the whole world can see. I am still gonna praise my God three times a day like I did before. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. So what happens is they report this to the king. Darius says, I have to throw you into the lion's den. He loved Daniel. The scripture says he didn't sleep that night. The next morning he runs down to see, and he says to Daniel in verse, chapter six, verse 16, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. So he goes down in the morning, calls him and he sees that Daniel's been spared. So we're gonna pick it up from Daniel 6, 25 to 27. He says, this is the result now. So Darius has seen that Daniel's been saved, He's now recounted on the decree, and here he makes another decree. Listen to this. Again, like Rod said, if you don't bow, you don't burn. Daniel 6, 25 to 27, I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Because he refused. I wanna tell you guys, I refuse. Absolutely refuse. If scripture tells me to do it and the government says don't, I'm gonna do it. I don't care what the price is. We have to start standing up to what God's word says. I am not saying be anti-government, far from it. But when it challenges me and my relationship with Jesus Christ and the absolutes, I will not move. Amen. Amen. So, here we had with Daniel, we see that there's another in the den. But with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we see there's another in the fire. He's always there with you. And I want to read this, Daniel 3. I know Rod shared it last week, but it's good to get it. They say wisdom is pounded in. They say you have to hear it, what, 90 times before it sinks in? If you're a teenager, 150 times. (laughs) No, teenagers know everything, twice. (laughs) I'm just teasing you. Daniel 3, 16 to 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, you remember this scene last week where they were said, if you do not, again, if you don't worship King Nebuchadnezzar, you're gonna get thrown into the fire. So this is what they say. They replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But listen to this. Listen to what he says, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, I want to tell you, if nothing happens again in my life, he's already paid a debt I can never pay. He owes us nothing. We owe him everything. So he says, even if he doesn't, I want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set before us. Do you know that the world would call that disobedience? God calls it obedience. How old? Do you know how old were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were, all three were born of royalty. Do you know how old they were? Between the ages of 11 and 13. Oh, wow. 11 and 13, and here they're standing. We don't care what you say, do what you like with us, but we are not going to surrender to the things of this world. That is phenomenal. I thought they were old dudes, <laughs> but they weren't, they were young. So if you go away with anything, you can at least tell people you know how old they were. (laughs) Daniel 3, 23 to 25. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied. Now, why were they securely tied? If he had made that fire fire so much more, it baffles me. Is that he was thinking, just in case God undoes this and they're gonna run away. How the heck are they gonna run away? Anyway, they were securely tied. They fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, he's the God of the suddenlies. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. That's a very South African saying. We certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Isn't it amazing how Scripture says they were bound, but then it goes to tell us they were unbound. When you obey Christ, you become unbound. I love it. Walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a God. Daniel 3, 28 to 29. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to worship any god except their own god. Therefore, here's another decree. Do you see how if we stand for what God says, things change? He changed the decree again. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There will be no other God that can rescue like this. Do you see the result? If you don't bow, you don't burn. So now I get so excited when I share this. I am not as good as Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts shared this message many years ago. I keep listening to it because it stirs my heart. But I'm gonna ask you, who is this fourth man? Who is the fourth man that was in the fiery furnace? I'll tell you who he was. In Genesis, he is the seed of woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of salvation. In Judges, he is the lawyer and the judge. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken walls of the human life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. And in Job, he is our everlasting redeemer. Does that excite you? So, who is this fourth man? In Psalms, he is the shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the wonderful four faced man. And in Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. So, who is he? Does that not excite you? He is, you cannot get away from Jesus. He is everywhere. So who is this fourth man? In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit of fire. In Amos, the burden bearer. Obadiah, the mighty to save. Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary. In Micah, the messenger of beautiful feet. Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is the savior. And Haggai, the restore of God's, restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Oh, Does that excite you? Okay, here we get to the New Testament. Who is this fourth man? In Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, the wonder worker. Luke, the son of man. John, the son of God. Acts, the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he's our justifier. First and second Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, our redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, the God who supplies all my needs. In Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First and second Thessalonians says, our soon and coming king. In one and two, Timothy, our mediator between God and man. In Titus, our faithful pastor. In Philemon, the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is always there. So who is this fourth man? You ready to hear to the end? In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is our great physician. In First and Second Peter, our Chief Shepherd, who soon will appear in a crown of unfading glory. In One and in One John, He is love. In Jude, He is the Lord coming with ten thousands of His saints. And in Revelations, He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Then, oh, I get so excited! What else do we need? Who is this fourth man? He is Abel's sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abraham's ram, Jacob's ladder, Isaac's well, Judah's scepter, Moses's rod, Joshua's sun and moon that stood still, Elijah's mantle—sorry, Elijah's mantle, Elijah's staff, Gideon's fleece, Samuel's horn of oil. David's slingshot, Daniel's visions, Isaiah's fig pole, Hezekiah's sundial, Malachi's son of righteousness, Peter's shadow, Paul's handkerchiefs and and aprons, Stephen's signs and wonders, and John's pearly gates. Who is this fourth man? He is the husband to the widow, a father to the orphan, to those who travel in the night, he is the bright morning star. To those through the lonesome valley, he is the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the staff of life, and the honey in the rock. Who is this fourth man? He is the rock in a weary land. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, the king of glory, the cup that runneth over, the rod and the staff that comfort. Who is this fourth man? He is the pearl of great price. He is the everlasting father. And the what? The government will be upon his shoulders. Amen? Amen? The government of our lives will be upon his shoulders. Not the government of the United States. Not the government of Zimbabwe, Malawi. The government of Jesus Christ is upon my shoulders. Oh, amen. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. My savior, my companion, my lord, my king. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords forever. Can we just give him a cheer and a clap? To the king. So, let's make it more personal. Who is this fourth man right here, right now? He is Jason and Shannon's protection. He is Seth's songwriter, Troy's creativity, David's inspiration. Tiffany's source, Kate's dreammaker, Jason's navigator, Joel's future, Jude's future, Tom's healer, Angela's wisdom, Mona's promise, Angela's waymaker. He is our hope for all generations. We have a hope and a future. Yes. Amen. Amen, and I'm going to challenge you. The Lord really challenged me and everywhere I go now, I challenge people. Um, I want to ask you, are you sowing weed seed, which is doubt, unbelief, fear, negativity, curses, hopelessness? Or are you sowing good seed, hope, blessing, belief, peace, joy, life? What are you speaking? And this is where I'm going to challenge you. Who who remembers the 60s? Way before my time. (laughs) But I, I was born in, well, if I tell you, you'll know my age, but I don't care. I was born in 1959, so the 60s was just coming up. And when I was growing up, I remember people talking about the 60s, saying, that's it, the world's coming to an end. The hippies, the druggies, the flower people, that's it. Yeah, I'm 63, if you haven't figured it, 62, Sorry, 62. (laughs) But that generation, the generation after them said they left a hopeless scenario, a hopeless scene, a hopeless platform. You know what happened? The next generation made it. And what happened to the generation after that? They made it. So, why on earth are we speaking such death, negativity, curses into the next generation? Why? I'm going to ask you to shut your mouth and only speak faith, hope, love, joy into the next generation. I don't care what's happening to this nation. I don't care what's happening to gender. I don't, we don't, listen, this is not a gender issue. It's not a political issue. It's a heart issue. I want you to speak hope. I don't know how this Next generation and the next generation are going to do it. But I know my God is right there in the fire with them. He is right there pushing back the sea with them. If he could do it then, he can do it now. Amen. And you know, we've, we've been told in the past, you know, when um, God sent his, set his people free to go to the promised land. And then they get to the Red Sea. And he parts the Red Sea and they go through. Well, we've had skeptics say to us, well, the Red Sea was only about this high. It was a bad season and the Red Sea was only this deep. So, of course, they could walk through. I'd go, well, then that means God did another miracle then because how does a whole army drown in knee deep water? <laughs> so, either way, it was a miracle. Amen. Seriously. So I'm gonna just, I wanna leave this with you. And this, oh, Matthew 12, to 37, it says either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Please, let's produce a good tree for the next generation and the next and the next. Let's sow seeds of hope. You guys, all you youngsters, I salute you. You are phenomenal. God has a plan, a purpose, a future. He's gonna use you in ways he never used us. Our ceiling is gonna be your platform. And I can't wait to see. But I'm telling you, I'm not getting ditched. I can't stand it when people share this generational thing and sorry, the old people move aside and I'm gonna have my torch until I die. You're gonna have to pry it out of my hand because let me tell you, young people, you need us. And we need you. You need our money, we need your wisdom. (laughs) We're all needed, amen? I know. Matthew 61, verses one to seven. I declare this continuously. The Spirit of God, the Master, is on who? Is on me. Can you do this? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on who? Me. Me. To do what? Because God has anointed who? Me. Me. To do what? Preach good news. Preach what? Not CNN, Fox. What is the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, Billy Graham made a statement that changed my life. He said, it's God's job to judge, Holy Spirit's job to convict, my job to love. God judges, Holy Spirit convicts, I just love, that's the easy part. I, can't, I cannot convict or flea. And if I do try and convict someone, it's not gonna last long, is it? So, he says, the spirit of the master is on me because God has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, not make them more brokenhearted, to announce freedom to all captives, pardon to all prisoners. God has sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn. To care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes. Messages of joy instead of news of doom. A praising heart instead of a weak spirit. Rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God to display His glory. So what are you? You are a good news channel. Correct? Correct? I wanted to, if anybody, please, if you hear anybody speaking bad about this next generation, about this church, about anybody, just go like this to them. Tell them, sorry, but I'm retuning you. Because I don't want to hear that station. Amen? We have to help each other. It's so easy to get negative. I refuse. I'll tell you, I'm excited. And I I just want to put one more thing up. And that's a painting. Um... Do we have a picture of that painting? There were two men that were standing in front of a painting in an art gallery. And in the painting, a man is playing chess with the devil. The devil is grinning from ear to ear because he has seen that the man is cornered. And the title of the painting is called Checkmate. Isn't that incredible? It indicates that the game is over and the devil has won and his opponent has failed. He has no more moves. No more moves. So two men were standing in front of the painting in an art gallery. And in the painting, the man is playing chess, as I said. So the first man, he decides, it's over, checkmate. So he moves on to go and see the other art pieces. The second guy is very, very different. He's an international chess champion. And he wants to look at this. So he sits down and he looks at the painting a lot longer. The chess champion, he stares and stares at the chessboard. And then suddenly he steps back, flabbergasted. And he goes, It's wrong. He exclaims, There is one more move. One more move. He runs to his friend together and they look at the painting. And he says, We have to contact the artist. This is not checkmate. There is one more move. And I believe the artist did that on purpose. You know why? Because the king has one more move. It is never checkmate in your life. The king has, I know, you know what? If you read the book, the enemy is so stupid, we win. (laughs) Any of you ever read a book and you can't, it's too intense, so you read the end of the book? I do, I'm terrible. And if it doesn't end the way I want it to end, I don't read the book anymore. Well, I mean, there's enough stress in life than to give yourself stress. I know, this is terrible. So throughout the Bible, the game has been played. The Israelites found momentarily freedom only to face the Red Sea with Pharaoh and his armies. But you know what? The king had one more move. Daniel was lowered into the den full of hungry lions, but guess what? The king had one more move. The nine foot Goliath shouted out, okay, winner takes it all, a one on one fight to settle this war. A little shepherd boy took him on. The king had one more move. Jesus was tortured, crucified, and buried for three days. The king had one more move. I don't want to make it personal. Do you ever feel like life has got you beat? The king has one more move. Do you ever feel like Satan has you trapped? The king has one more move. Ever feel like you're a failure, out of options, lost hope? The king has one more move. There's another in the fire. You can never get away from him. Never, because you know what? He'll find you. My my one grandson when he was little, would play hide and seek with me. But he'd always go to the pillow and the couch and put his head under the pillow. And I had to find him. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I'd pretend. Got a little bit older and he'd hide, but he'd always hide in the same place. Now he hides, I can hardly find him. And that's when you hope that your kids wake up, you wake up when they're at college and then you can pick up from there. I always say, when your kids get to teenagers, you know why some animals eat their young. (laughs) 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 Do you know that he, please guys, there is no situation that is too hopeless, no situation that is too big for him, none. We, when we were growing up with three girls, very close in age, Um, My mom is Greek, my father is English. Not a good combination. You know that big fat Greek wedding? Our family. Food, noise, dry toast. But you know what? He was there with me the whole time. Our community said that us three girls would end up in the trash heap of life. And here we are. Because I know he's always with me and he wastes nothing. Amen. And I want you to know God has incredible things to do with this church, to do with you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. There's another in the fire. Some of you, I, I just I don't know who it is, but I see that it's like a trapeze act. You're holding on to this. And God's saying, if you don't let go of this, I cannot allow you to hold on to this. You need to let go. Some of you, they're things of the past. You're trying to fix. You're trying to mend. God's going, let go. Let go and let God. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana.